You're listening to The Rad Podcast, an exploration of wealth, finance, business, and entrepreneurship. Hosted by Dutch Mendenhall, founder of Rad Diversified. How you guys doing? What's happening, John? Oh, sorry, guys. If if my wife actually would maybe go get the kids and uh, interrupt her Pilates course, it might be a little bit easier for me to do some business. So <laughs> you got to send her a bill. Oh, unbelievable. You know the way it works, right? Well, I, you know, the great part, you know, with my wife is I'm kind of been lucky and blessed that she's was one of the founders of the company. And so she kind of gets it for sure on Excellent. that on that journey but you know she stepped away maybe five or six years ago when we had our kids mm-hmm. and in the last year and a half she um came back and, and started doing media buying for us and stuff because it was something we really wanted to do in the you know in the journey and she also brought in our two biggest affiliates you know i think she helped us raise about an additional 10, 10 between 10 and 11 million dollars last year which was pretty holy cool. so, well good for you guys and, that's fantastic wow yeah she's she's great you know we we're we're doing great, you know, on the, the capital raising side, we're getting better. Like we're two to 3 million a month, you know, with our raising, but I think we're kind of starting to accelerate month over month and, and different kinds of things, but you got a lot of background and experience. I mean, we just get started, you know, there doesn't have to be some formal. Absolutely. Can you hear me? Okay? You know, people are going to see the bios and they're going to see the catchphrases and all that cool stuff. But, yeah. you know, you, you've had some experience raising money, raising capital, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, this explore wealth. I mean, talk to me about, you know, things that have worked for you, things that haven't. Absolutely. Um, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, my background is, is, is essentially I've been in the stock markets since, since I was actually around 15 years old. I, I actually started shredding paper in the, in a, in a mailroom of a brokerage firm uh, up in Canada. And, you know, I knew I wanted to be in the business since that date. Um, I was an avid golfer. I played a lot of golf. So I started golfing with a lot of the brokers or bankers, whatever it might have been. And, I really just saw how they conducted themselves on a daily basis. And um, I uh, went to university, play, actually played college golf. And, you know, I, I passed on with that. I thought I was going to be a professional golfer, but I wasn't good enough. Uh, and then I kind of went back into the business uh, as an assistant while I was finishing off my, my degree. And, uh, and then I went, that meant when, I, when I graduated, I became a broker right away. And, um, and then uh, that was, you know, going back when I was, I was 21 at the time, I think. And learned the business and learned how to, you know, manage people's money, but I was more interested in, in taking companies public. And that's, that's what I do now. And I got really lucky in 2008 of all, of all time, I, I got lucky on a transaction and that allowed me to go on my own. And uh, since that time, I've, I focused on taking really strategic type companies public right now, a lot of metals and mining, cause that's what I like. Um, but uh, really it's, you know, just years of, trials and tribulation, just learning from my mistakes, moving it forward. And, and, you know, now we've probably raised an excess of, you know, probably 500 to a billion dollars over the last, you know, 10 years. So we're, we're, we're definitely, um, we've got a good formula and I'm, I'm very proud of it. Cool, man. Well, cool. Well, anytime I hear about gold mines or, you know, different kinds of mines, I always, you know, think of different movies and then, but I also think of great, you know, Ponzi schemes and, you know, all kinds of other things. And so like, you know, I think a lot of people, because it's such an unknown, I think, to people, right? And obviously, it's a legitimate real business. And obviously, you know, there's, you know, I mean, I think uh, Warren Buffett bought a $500 million, you know, gold mine um, this last year. Uh, maybe it was 500 
more, more, more than 500 million, but I think it's $500 million gold mine, right? So, you know, tell people, I think people want to know they're exploring wealth, right? Everybody's on this journey, right? We're in hyperinflation. People want stability. They're looking at, you know, how do I do this? You know, how do I win with, you know, the meta economy, the space economy, the crypto economy, the real estate economy, the stock market economy, right? How do I win in these economies? Um, and then there's, you know, the digital winning and then there's core hard art assets winning, right? Um, commodities, right? One of the things we did is we dove deeper into farms about two and a, two and a half years ago and focused a little bit, you know, I think we saw supply chain and other kinds of issues coming and when we dove into that. So talk to people a little bit, like what should they be looking for? What, what helps well, them decipher between the, yeah. the, the myth and the, and the re realness? Well, I can only lead by example. So let's, let's start with that. And, and, you know, when I look at my portfolio, um, I'm very big into I call it an alternative investment if you want, but I'm more into the, um, I like commodities in terms of metals and mining. And when I say that I specifically look at buying quality uh, publicly traded mining stocks that are exposed to whatever metal that I'm trying to get exposure to. Um, I really mm -hmm. like gold, silver, but I also like zinc, copper. Uh, I'll even go as far as oil and gas not being a metal. But I think I don't want to get what's the big one. What's the big one that's in the uh, batteries, like all the electric that's, that's, batteries? That's, that's lithium. Lithium is lithium, a, is a yeah. big component. We actually have a lithium company, but I think I don't want to get political with you guys, but I, but I, 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 it comes down to every conversation on these types of things or at the dinner table, but, but this is what I think is going on and why there's an opportunity in the space that I've just mentioned. And, you know, you have a fed that, in my mind, does not work for the American people. They work for whatever parties in the White House. And they're completely wrong on all their decisions in my mind. I mean, you had fair, uh, the Chairman Powell in November basically saying that inflation was a transitory phenomenon. It'll pass. Don't worry. And then right before Christmas, he says, oh, crap, you know, inflation is now a problem. Now you see it in every meeting they're doing. Now you see this, this, this interest rate phenomenon going on with started with a quarter base points uh, raises. Now we're going up to 50 basis points and looks like we're going to get seven or eight of them for the rest of the year, whatever the number is. But I just don't see how a governing body with our most powerful economy in the entire world, you have the leader behind it so wrong in his projections or his statements at a certain time that was so critical to you know, the way our economy was going to be heading. And, you know, it's simple mathematics, it's simple economics. When you print as much money as been printed in the system over the last two, 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 two and a half, three years, there's, you can't deny that there is going to be a, a whirlwind of inflation. And I firmly believe that the number that we're currently seeing reported is nowhere close to the actual real number. And we haven't even factored in. Well, when you look at, you look at something as simple as gas is up, you know, 30 plus percent in the last six months. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, people can say, you know, the economy is only inflating by 7%, but you look at simple, simple things, you know, like for us, you know, we sold hay at $160 a ton and now we sell it at, you know, $340 a ton. You know, you look at, you know, different things that are up 50%, up hundred percent and up 30%. Tell me what's up 7%. I don't know anything that's up seven or 8% from 2021. I mean, do you like, is there a single product that only raised by seven or 8%, you know, and, and, and that's, 
when you look at that, that's pretty fascinating. You know, everything's affected. You're right. I mean, I don't yeah. know a good today that's cheaper than it was two years ago. I, I really don't. Um, but I mean, you're looking at, you know, oil and gas, that's a little bit different because now they're pawning that off on the whole Ukraine-Russia crisis situation, though. So really, they're... Oh, it hit before that. Yeah. yeah Timing-wise. Ex- exactly. So, yeah. you know, I think we're in this second inning of this problem, if you want to call it that, yeah. this, 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 this situation that has been created. We haven't seen wage... Uh, wage raising and wage prices, the only way you're going to get people back to work. I mean, when was the last time you tried to get an Uber and you couldn't get one or you, you know, were at a restaurant and they were crappy service because no one was working. Well, the only way you're going to get those people back to work is to, is to pay them more. And this isn't something after you pay them in six months from now, say, well, inflation is now coming down, which it won't, (laughs) by the way, but that's what they're saying. What are you going to pay them less? Are you suddenly going to say, okay, inflation is under control. We're going to start paying you less. So that's one aspect. And then you have the rents. Rents are going up. And it's not something that in a year's time, you suddenly say, okay, we'll start paying us less now because everything's in check. No, it's the new norm here is that these things are going up. And we haven't seen the wage or rent increases in the inflation numbers uh, that I can see. Well, I mean, so like, like, I don't know how many employees or how many people do you have with, with you, John? We're, we're small. I mean, we're, uh, you know, call it five management. And then yeah. of course you got so, your drillers in the field, but th- they're consultants. So we're about, we're, we're about 150, you know, internal and probably another hundred external. And, you know, when I say external, cause, cause of all the real estate we do, we have rehabbers, contractors, you know, everything from plumbers to electricians, to drywallers, to, laborers to you know guys doing demolitions and, and different kinds of things and, and then internally you know operationally so you know I'm, I, on a on a monthly basis i'm doing a an inflation check right with pay and staff and different things and, and so we're increasing pay you know at, at unprecedented rates you know within our company and you know i don't it hasn't affected us in the sense that i think it might be affecting a lot of business because we're in such a rapid growth phase as a, as a company that, that, you know, our, our, you know, labor cost is becoming, you know, less and less a part of, you know, as a percentage of our total cost of op- business operations. And so, you know, we're able to afford, you know, but I want to pay my people well, you know, and I don't think there's a business owner out there that doesn't, well, I mean, you, I, you, maybe you, there's, there's a couple, yeah. you know, jerk offs in the world, but, but I think your mo your primary business owner wants to pay his people really well. It's just, are they capable? And it, is the business set up? For them to be capable. And the problem, you know, you look at, let's say a restaurant is they, they are going to go pay more for chicken and lettuce, right. And, and the commodity, and then they're going to charge more to the consumer, but is there a margin gap that's being created for the labor, right. Part, part of that margin gap. And you're right. Unless we pay people more then then obviously the, the people that, that have to work hardest in this country that we need to respect the most, right? I always say that about our mil- military, right? The reason you and I have freedom is because of our military. Is, Absolutely. Is, is, is they have to be able to live and, and creating a good lifestyle. You know, the whole thing is like, people say, well, we need a working class. We need a working poor, right? In order to, you know, make this country run. And my answer is yes, but what's wrong with, with the working class of America being a middle class of them. What's wrong with the working class of America being able to afford a nice place to live, nice furniture, nice, you know, utilities, nice, you know, you know, basics of life. And if that's, you know, what the income of a, you know, a person, you know, that does a normal everyday job, which is great, is why can't they make good money? And that, that's always been kind of, kind of my philosophy. We, years and years ago, we took our minimum wage as a company up to $15 an hour when the average minimum wage in America was about seven. Um, and I don't know that we have an average minimum wage 
in our company at this point, I'd have to, you know, check in with HR, but I know it's, you know, mm-hmm. might maybe even two X of what the national national average is for brand new entry level, you know, people with no experience, you know, joining, joining, joining our company. That doesn't happen too often anymore just because of the specialization of what we do. But so for you, you know, I, I like that philosophy of paying people more, but how do we do that? Well, you, you, uh, it's the price of goods. I mean, everything is just going to increase all at the same time, all relative to, to, to what you're paying people. I mean, I have a saying, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so I have the, I, I as well, I mean, you, you know, you're, you know, the, the minimum wage should be higher. Um, but at the same time, you know, so businesses are being strangled by a cost raising costs. So, I mean, everything. So the, the end, the consumer is the one at the end of the game that's that, where, that has to, has to pay more money. That's where we, that's where we get screwed in the sense that like, like you came on, like a lot of your initiatives, you come in, right. Or, or right side. Right. But paying a lot of people, a lot more minimum wage is very left side. Right. And, and so to me, that tells me you're like me, where you probably have right views, you have left views, you have middle views, you're probably, you know, believe in people's rights, you know, and, and, and it's fascinating because to me, I always, you know, I can't control who's in power. I just got to know what the rules of the game are to win. And, and, you know, that's generally how I look at, you know, politics is they're going to make rules and I got to go win for my investors. I got to go win for my employees. I got to go win for my family. Right. And these are things I have to do to be successful because if I can't win for my employees, um, they're not going to have jobs. And if they don't have jobs, I'm not going to have a company. And if we don't have a company, I can't help my investors. And, and, and so for me, there's going to be new rules every four years because our rules changed a lot when the administration changed for how we raise money and how we deal with the sec and things, you know, things shifted. And I have all the respect in the world for, you know, governing bodies that want to, you know, protect investors. It's very important. Um, at the same time, you know, the rules changed and, and we had to change with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, listen, I mean, I, you know, my views are, I mean, I'm from the, the, the thought or religion of, of kindness, just be kind to everybody. But I think my issues rise or my, my issues are, are, are challenged when I just want to see people working. Okay. Um, I, and, you know, pay them for what they're worth. And if you're doing a good job, pay them well, but my problem comes down to the fact when people aren't working, they aren't contributing to society, they ain't doing anything, and they're getting these handouts. Okay, that's the free money and the printing press that's been going on. And that's where I have my problem. And, you know, we had an investor in here yesterday that was wanting to build shelters or invest money into building shelters and different kinds of things. And it's, you know, homeless is a very fascinating conversation in America, because you're right. Because when, when I lived in San Francisco, you know, 20 years ago, they were giving checks to homeless people. And my thing is, if you give checks, checks, just flake money, right, to homeless people, then you're going to bring more homeless people to your city. And the homeless population is going to grow. And so for me, look, look what happened. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's home, exploded. Right? California is yeah. disgusting with homeless. And, and I don't mean that homeless people are disgusting. Homeless people are just people, right? But the, the, the problem and the issue of people living on the streets and, you know, I walk through L.A. and I step over people that are, you know, um, out of their minds on drugs, you know, just walking down, you know, business districts and, you know, people shooting up drugs in the middle of, you know, the city of L.A. And, you know, I just recently moved from California, you know, to Florida a few months ago. And I did it because because I don't feel I didn't feel safe in a in a main city financial district you know you got a bank of america headquarters there and forgive me i'm not saying which banks they are you know just bank of america is an example chase headquarters there and a major law firm headquarters there with their you know 100 foot story buildings you know and you can't walk from one of those buildings to the next one without feeling like there's a danger 
and mm-hmm. and and that's that's pretty mind pretty mind blowing to me. And if you just give people handouts, I, I believe there's a difference between handouts for the homeless that are just handouts, and then they're setting up proper mental health for people with mental health issues. And and I you know obviously they haven't been able to figure out the problem, but yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, I'm more in tune with people that have every ability to go to work, everybody, every ability to have a decent job. They choose not to because they have more of a benefit by what they're getting to actually going out and actually working. And that's, that's my problem. And that has been created over the last two, three years from, you know, all the, all the stimulus that's been handed out. And, and it, and it, and by the way, they're not taking the foot off the gas on that stimulus. It's still there. Um, mm-hmm. so no wonder we're in this position, no wonder we're in this situation and no wonder now we have to, but what get- do you think about universal basic income? Right. I've heard that conversation, that topic kicked around, right. That there's, you know, a basic, you know, income that, you know, people, people, you know, could be making, um, you know, what, 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 what's your, conver- what's your thought? That's on that a, it's a little bit out, out in left field for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm old school. Uh, listen, I grew up in Canada, so you know, Canada back when I was a child to what it is now, I now live in the United States, but Canada has become a socialist country, absolute socialism at its finest. You know, you have your free med, you know, you're covered on the, on uh, socialized medicine. It's a disaster. It doesn't work. So I think if you're looking at kind of a, a, a blanketed income across the board, listen, we, Anytime you try to take control of people's lives, especially in the healthcare field, and that's a prime example, it doesn't work. Um, you know, it, America is the greatest economy. What in the about world. what about? And I'm just throwing stuff out, right? I I don't have a dog in this fight. What about a universal basic income, but that has a progressive, stair-stepped, work-to-play system? I, you know, where maybe let's say if every American right? Let's just say made a hundred thousand dollars a year. And granted, I have plenty of employees that make less than a hundred thousand a year and plenty of employees that make more than a hundred thousand a year. Right. But let's just say every American just as a, just as a thought experiment made a hundred thousand a year, but to make that hundred thousand a year, you have to be gainfully employed, right. Working, you know, for a company or organization or business, you know, in America and, um, you know, you put some other parameters on it, some other reasonable parameters on it, you know, and, and what if we changed, and I was just a thought experiment. What if you changed the dynamic and you said, you know, not only do we create a universal basic income, but 10% of that income has, instead of 10% going to taxes, right? Because I think, you know, government having more money doesn't do us any good as Americans. It's just, you know, my general belief is the government has plenty of money and it's the effective use of the money will empower the government to do great things, right? And great things are done by our government, to, to be crystal clear, you know, in my, in my opinion. But I, at the same time, there's a lot of waste. And so let's say 10% of that money has to go to charitable organizations. And you start changing, it's just, you know, it's random thought. I've never even really had a deep thought onto this. I don't know, what do you think if there was like a progressive it's, it's sent, to play it's, kind of yeah. system? I hear what you're saying, but it's totally against what America is all about and what it's been built on. And, you know, you, you reward people that have taken risks, you reward people that have, have been creative, you know, if so, you know, I mean, it's, it's like, for instance, this billionaire tax is coming on, should we tax these billionaires, you know, more than what everyone else is making? Well, you know, yeah, they got so much money, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. But 
if you start making this a uh, for every American, everyone's going to be set on it. It's, it's totally a, it's not what America is built on. And you made something well, wait, else. You made, so, you, so you tell me as, as an immigrant right into the into the U.S., right? You tell me what you what, what are your beliefs that America is built on? Well, as an, I mean, I, my wife is, is American. So, I mean, I'm not, I would say an immigrant, like a guy coming up through the Southern border. I mean, that's the first off I came through legally. And that's what I think every person coming to this, this country should be doing coming, coming through legally. Um, listen, I'm a capitalist. Okay. I like people that build businesses, employ people, take the risk in employing people. And I believe in people that make those risks and take those risks with the business that's doing sweat and tears and, 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 and basically creating something. I think they should be given tax breaks. I think they should be given incentives for doing so. However, the push is, has been to basically have these people take the risks, increase the benefits for their employees, which is a cost to that business, increase taxes to that business. So they're strangling what America is built on. And that's by people being creative and being capitalistic. You made a, you made a comment earlier. You said our government has a lot of money and we can, they, they, our government doesn't have a lot of money. They're completely broke. They just decide to print more money. Well, and that, that's, I mean, that's, that's in a the problem. sense that where, where I disagree with you, right, is our government is massively in debt, right? And, and they have endless debt, but the government is receiving trillions of dollars, right? Um, it, hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars, right? From the American taxpayer, you know, every single year. Now, what they choose to do, you know, the effective risk, right? Or the effective use of that money is, is different, right? Um, I, would, I will tell you that, you know, Elon Musk became the richest man in the world for a company that spent a long time, right? Not turning a profit. And, but he had a lot of money. And he had a lot of money he put to work, a lot of money he put to play, a lot of money, you know, that, that he made something, you know, he's going to be, you know, one of, the, I think when 500 years from now, people look back at our, our world, they're going to look at him as one of the, the impacts, you know, an Albert Einstein type of impact, you know, on our world. And, and so I look at those kind of things. And, and so I think the fascinating thought experience is I don't think anything you just said takes away from anything from the previous thought experiment in the sense that I still think if you had. We interrupt this broadcast to remind you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Rad Podcast. Universal income, it doesn't take away from the capitalists still making more money or the capitalists who take risks winning bigger like for me don't get don't, don't get me wrong for a second right I'm, I'm an absolute capitalist in the sense that i have you know built an empire from scratch you know not not generationally gifted to me not you know handed down not lucky and and those kind of things and so you know i go something's counterintuitive to what some people think in the sense they're like you know pay your employees the least amount you have to pay them you know to keep them working and keep them happy or you know i take care of, you know, our employees to a level, you know, to an extreme level. And, you know, I pay for, you know, 75% of their healthcare and, and other things that I do for our people. And, and people are always asking me, you know, well, why do we pay more people? Or why are we giving bonuses? And why are we giving raises? Why are we giving people a percentage of, of the pie, right? And granted, I still have the largest percentage of that pie with my partner, my business partner, right? But at the same time, I believe in the, the, 
the inclusive right stakeholdership of 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 my people right and if my people have stakeholdership in the mission and the purpose and the vision it makes a big difference and granted i'm not saying i'm trying to in, institute and practice this theory it was just it's just a theory that if people had to work in order to receive that ubi but i wonder how many people in america if you know would if they if they could make 100k a year and they knew they could make 100k a year and they had to work in order to do it, it it's very different to think that I'm going to go to Chipotle and I'm going to work the front line, right, for $15 an hour when people are getting these things, right? But if people knew they had to go to Chipotle and we were to set up, but it would change the financial system in a way that, that you know, is probably impossible to understand or read. But I mean, the financial system's falling apart. And so brainstorming, I mean, do you think we have to go to crypto at some point in well, time so that we have a, a, yeah. a backed financial I, monetary? So back to that point, I just want to say, so the, 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 you choose to pay your employees well. That's why you're, you have a successful business. Your employees love you. They'll work. They'll do whatever. Like that's, that's the kind of thing that you've created. The minute you start blanketing a common wage and people start to get equal and we make sure people make a certain amount of money, you turn an employee from an asset into a liability. An entitled, and, and an entitled employee is, is a horrible thing. Absolutely. It, it really is. And I, Absolutely. you know, we've seen it you know, when there's a false expectation of, you know, versus of right versus, you know, versus right to work, which are two different things. You know, mm -hmm. I, have, I have the right to, to, to just be here versus I have a right to work here are two, two kind of different, very or different you, things. Or, or you've earned it. Exactly. But back yeah. to your crypto, grab to your, back to your crypto. So I'm a firm believer that, uh, you know, the, the technology behind crypto, the blockchain technology is fascinating. Um, I am not a avid or a, uh, I mean, I dabble, but I do not um, really believe in the, in the, uh, in the cryptocurrency uh, phenomenon. I, I've, I've definitely owned some, I've, I've, I've traded it uh, all for a financial benefit. I, I really, uh, my basis of my thought and my reasoning and what I would like to see happen is more of a gold back uh, type uh, currency. I do believe the U.S. government will adopt an, a, an electronic currency of their own, but I don't think it'll be Bitcoin. I think they'll create their own. I think that's really, they're never going to go and endorse and just model and just take over Bitcoin for say, and uh, just because there's too many unknowns. We don't know where it came from. We don't know who owns this stuff. It's, it's just, it's, it's, I, I could never see that happening personally. But for the Bitcoin I own, I wouldn't be against it. No, I mean, hey, listen, I think Bitcoin is going to do well over the, you know, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm totally for it. I'm, I'm, I've, I think the per the people that came up with the idea and the people that have, have bought into it and done well with it. Awesome. Good for you guys. I mean, I couldn't be happier. Um, my investment background is more old school. Uh, I've made my money on more tangible assets. I like to, uh, I love, you know, gold, silver. I like to store wealth. Um, I like, you know, that's, that's where I'm, I, I'd like to see a currency, which is basically backed on history and backed on things that we can actually see what have, what has transpired over generations and, and times of good and bad, and just seeing how you can actually go and, and see how things have reacted and in times of war times or times of depressions, that's kind of how I'd like to see a currency based I mean, on. I, I look at myself, sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, am I a dinosaur, right? I, you know, primary wealth built in real estate, primary wealth carried in real estate, right? Um, and so I look at that and I say, well, as much new age stuff that happens, you know, metaverse, crypto, you know, I think there's a, a whole new space economy that's coming, you know, down the road. 
as much new stuff that's coming, old school still applies. And, you know, old school, you know, foundational stuff still applies. But it doesn't mean we can't, it doesn't mean that we have to be ignorant or blind, you know, to what, what's here, right? And, and so it's fascinating, the, the unique balance. Like we have a whole research team on metaverse and crypto, you know, working, working, in, working in the company. And, and, and it's fascinating what they come up with and then applying old school concepts to, you know, those, those same principles to, to some of that foundation. It, it, it's interesting. I think there's people obviously in the world that say, that feel about, you know, crypto and, and other things the same way you feel about commodities and I feel about, you know, real estate. Um, but my thought process is, for me, it's still a game. It's a mythological game to be played to win. But so is Vegas, you know, when you go to Vegas. And so I kind of see that, you know, it's part of that in that in that realm. But maybe that's just for me from an understanding standpoint. I don't know. What do you think? Um, listen, I mean, there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. There's people, um, you know, the only thing I'll say is it's, it is a game like Vegas. But, you know, at least in Vegas, you get a free drink with what you're doing. Um, I think, listen, uh, you know, I, again, I'm not I never talk against crypto. Um, I think the whole market of crypto as I mean, we've seen one of the biggest sectors in terms of growth, I think ever in human history, how we saw the, the market depth and market cap of, of cryptocurrency, what it's done over the last five years, it's, it's unprecedented. It's unbelievable. Um, because of people's wants and demands and because people have made this mainstream, it has forced everyone and, and companies and the marketplace to accept what people have been wanting and demanding. Um, if people weren't accepting cryptocurrency, we wouldn't see people accepting it as payment. We wouldn't see companies like PayPal and you know these these type companies accepting it and, and making it mainstream. Or, or more to that matter, banks and major brokerage firms uh, started to accept it to the to the point that they are. Um, it's still in its infancy. It's only going to become more and more and more and more. It's 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 unbelievable. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to see that because of the demands and wants from the public and how this is, has, has gone from essentially a, a, the original kind of shady, dirty type investment with crypto, oh, it's all bad money, it's, it's people laundering, it's drug lords, whatever it might be, to where it is now, it just shows you that you know the big guys up there are listening to what the public is demanding. Sure, they're going to make a crap pot of money on it in every transaction, and the government can tax it and do whatever, but it's, I applaud it. Um, and again, back to the gold side, if people are more on the on, on you know in terms of more of these you know gold type bugs like I am, um, you know there's good for you too. But you know I think there is definitely a a, a mix of everyone. Um, listen, if you have a gold backed economy and you put some sort of blockchain technology inside of it, hmm, that looks pretty interesting, doesn't it? That could be quite dangerous. So we don't know what's going to happen, but. As far as I'm concerned, listen, something has to be done because this just old-fashioned U.S. dollar system, in my mind, is kind of failing us. So it's like as like the CEO, right, of an investment firm. How do you look at gold as a backed, right, as the back standard for for the dollar, right? Do you think there's a reality? There's a movement. There's support for it. You know, like one to five percent or ten percent support and. You know the American public, or through you know political powers, doesn't really mean anything unless the most powerful voices say, "I, I want to do this." Right? In, in, the, in the next you know five years, right? Unless you know DeSantis and Trump, you know, as you know, powerful Republican voices, or you know the 
Biden Clinton, you know, regime. Um, I don't, can't even the other gal vice president, you know, she's, yeah, we forgot her name long ago. Of, yeah. yeah. I just don't <laughs> think she's going to have a chance, you know, with a voice with, with the things that I've seen. And I don't, you know, it just is what the, how the, how the press is perceiving people, you know, it's, you know, unless one of them comes and says, Hey, what, let's make the American dollar backed by gold again. Do you really think it has a chance? You know, okay. Well, I'm, I don't, I don't run a, an investment firm. I used to be in, you know, heavy invest, you know, advising people yeah, with money. Okay. And, and, and now I run a, uh, uh, you know, a, a mining company and several mining companies, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, that we're, that we've uh, been very successful and lucky on. Um, but I don't really know how they would transition it. It's not something you go to the American public and take a vote on. I mean, this is something that, you know, we've never really seen historically. I mean, it's, I don't think it could just be, you know, I guess the U.S. system could adopt, you know, a backing, but I think you'd have to probably go through, you know, the World Bank as well, the IMF, like whatever it might be, because it's, it's not just, you know, an American, everyone takes U.S. dollars across the globe, right? I mean, this is the world's strongest currency. It's or, the only, or it's the only currency where there's enough space Mm -hmm. to, to have stable. a billion dollar transactions it's, it's stable right it's a stable stable currency so how do you actually transition it and back it um really the only reason why you'd have to do so is that if our u.s dollar started collapsing yeah and my personal view is the u.s dollar right now actually we've seen a pretty nice run here a very strong dollar this week but that's probably from a selling selling off stock markets so of the you know. But if the used dollar crashes, the world crashes. Well, it 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 won't. Um, you know, people value and devalue currencies for a number of reasons, but I don't think crash would be the word. But I do think the U.S. dollar is 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 too high. I think they will. Uh, I I am betting on a lot on, on a much lower U.S. dollar. Hence, the move in commodities and and prices that are quoted in US dollars, if the lower dollar comes into play, the price of the commodity is going to be higher. So that's one of the reasons for, you know, this, this, my push into, into metals and mining and, and, and other mm -hmm. commodities. Um, I think this is, like I said, we're in second inning of this mess that we have created ourselves since, since, you know, pre-COVID or red and red COVID with all this printing press, everything, we still have a long way to, for this, this thing to unfold. Um, I, I really think that, um, again, inflation is, we're not even near it. We're going to see it continue. Uh, and I don't even think the amount of, and, and by the way, so when the, when the Fed raises interest rates all this time, remember they're servicing a debt and they're just paying higher rates. So it's kind of counterintuitive in my mind to just keep printing money and then having to service a debt with higher rates. So um, I'm going to go back to my statement. We have a blind Fed leading us. I don't think they're in tune with what we're doing. Um, but time will tell, time will play out. And um, unfortunately, we're stuck in, in the mix of it. But back to the point, I really see the US dollar going much, much, much lower. So as a normal everyday person that's trying to build wealth, right? What does this mean to them? Like, like these are, you know, very high level conversations, you know, when it comes to, you know, a Fed, non-Fed, gold, crypto, back, forth, what's going to happen politically, all of these different things. Like, what, what you know, how, how does the average person like how do they approach this journey you know like even you know I, there's people that are saying well what do I do with my career right if I was making good money you know 12 months ago and now I'm making 20 percent less right against against you know the where, where the dollar's gone um and that's where I think we're at I think we're at a 20 percent change you know across the board even though they say it's you know far less than that it, 
what do they do or what is a person who's been in the stock market and they're writing the yo-yo, you know, that, that they've been writing, um, you know, what is, what does a normal person do? I mean, what do you think? Well, I mean, I, I'm not allowed to give advice, but I'll give of you, I'll, I'll lead by example and kind of give you that. So, so I mean, take all this with just, this is my view. Um, I think really the, the most direct uh, point of influence, the thing that affects people most on the day-to-day average American across working hard, the most important thing to look at is interest rates. Okay, interest rates is your, I'm gonna call it a temperature gauge of what the economy is doing. And we've seen what happens when you have times of interest rates spiking, which is what we're currently starting to see now. We're gonna see a rise, rise, rise in interest rates. That's the thing which is the, the silent thing that sneaks up on you. You just don't see it. And every American's exposed to it, either through you know, your, your debt load, if you're servicing, if you're, you know, obviously if you try to lock in at a lower rate, it, it affects your real estate purchases. I mean, if you're servicing something and you're not locked in at a rate for the next 30 years or so, and suddenly you're suddenly exposed to a 10%, you know, mortgage or, or, or whatever thing, you know, whatever line of credit you might be having, that's going to, that's going to strangle you. And I think if you're trying to time the market, if you're trying to time, you know, gold prices, if you're trying to try time crypto prices, you're, you're nothing more than a, than a, a junkie, a junkie in Vegas, because it's just, it's a fool's game. You never will. Um, my view is, is that, you know, in times of uncertainty, like we're approaching, you just basically stay course and you don't, you don't alter. And if you've got good, good financial advice and you've got a portfolio, that's a basket of index type instruments, like things that are component on the Dow or the NASDAQ, or whatever it might be, the long-term of those picks of stocks in that, in the indexes rides out you will you know, in the long term you'll benefit in turn instead of trying to time these things with swings by selling something and trying to buy it cheaper you can't do that because it's but, but it's people just, are so so fickle right and totally like we talk with investors all of the time and you know they get hit and then they pull it out and 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 then they're you know and then they you know want to try and make up what they lost and so then they not, they start putting back in and you know we see it every day yeah you know, and, and, and I, you know our we're not a, we're not it's, a we're not a stock company and those kind of things, but we see it with our people investing, you know, into the, into the REIT and, and within the real estate world we're in every, every day. And, and I see people constantly, it's, 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 you know, like you said, like a junkie and they get, they get caught into the, 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 added, the, the addiction. And they also have a very difficult time just surrendering to the loss, you know, and then they fight to, to come back and they're, they're fighting a game. They're not pros at. And then that therein lies, therein lies becomes the challenges. Can the stock market be beat? Yeah. Can crypto be beat, you know, with trading it and those kind of things? Yes, it can. But if you're not a pro, are you going to beat it? Unlikely. It's like, I can go pay $10,000 and go play in the world series of poker. But if I'm not a pro, <laughs> if I'm not doing it every single day, it's a crapshoot. It's a very small percent chance that I can go beat the pros. And, and, and that's what you're facing. Yeah, you nailed, you nailed on, the, on the head there. And, and the other thing that is different now to what it was, say, five years ago is we have all these outlets for people to, to basically get exposed to the stock market or get exposed to, to investments which weren't readily available five, 10 years ago. So you have these Robin Hoods or online brokerage firms. You have buying crypto through, you know, what Coinbase or whatever the hell you go and buy it on. It's, it's, it's created uh, these these virtual casinos basically for people to go and play at and take their hard earned dollars and try to time the market. And 
I, uh, it saddens me. It's, it's, it's not the way to play this game. Um, if you have dollars set aside and you want to build wealth, well, you have to put it into, you know, index type things and, and blue chips. And, you know, it's the old Warren Buffett thing. You just buy it and you just put it away and you forget about it. Don't try to make timing on it. You don't know better than the market does. And by the way, you could have the best fund manager in the world that makes 80% one year and he's the fund manager of the year doesn't guarantee you the next year he's going to do the same thing. Actual, in actual fact, the numbers show that if whoever is consistently, if you have a really good year on the fund mat, this is on, this is on Wall Street, the top fund manager one year is going to be probably bottom half the next year. It's just the way it works. So it's, um, it's a fool's game. And, and again, I, I urge people to, to just think before they act and uh, just don't do it out of a mentality thinking you're going to get rich quick because you won't. Yeah, I mean, I, I talk with our investors all of the time and, and you know, we've been at a really, you know, great run through COVID and, and different things. And so we're nine, ninth quarter in a row, you know, with, with a stock increase and, and that's pretty cool, you know, being a non-traded helps with that, with what we do in a lot of ways. But I, I look at our average investors and, and I know that the first, you know, time, you know, in we take a loss, right, in the next, you know, two or three years, let's say we have a 4% loss for a quarter. I know we'll have investors pull. And I always, you know, I find it fascinating because it's the worst time for them to pull. Because like you said, it, we've had, you know, we have a, we, we do have a rubber band effect, you know, oftentimes where the rubber band gets pulled and, and then it snaps where we put a lot of the outlay and then that quarter is going to be, you know, tighter. And then the following quarter, we're going to reap the rewards, right, from, mm -hmm. from the, the capital investment we put out. But it, it, it's fascinating because you see it every single We interrupt time. this broadcast to remind you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Rad Podcast. And, and I see, you know, the investors, you know, who, who you know, right, right out the storm, you know, win big and, and, and win in, you know, incredible ways. But I think you have to be invested, though, into something that's real and tangible and because there are companies that disappear. Right. Mm -hmm. And so riding out the storm to the end of the time scares people when they looked at losing, you know, 50, 60% of their portfolio in 2008 and, and 70%, you know, or you look at like, you know, a Madoff thing, you know, that, that, that he pulled and, and destroyed, you know, people's, people's retirements and wealth. But it, it, as you get through this journey, it's just fascinating as you see, the investor mindset. And I think understanding the psychology of what people are going through every day, you know, makes, makes a big difference mm -hmm. for you as you're building your company and building your business. Like what are, what are you, what are your hacks, right? For wealth? What are your hacks for stuff, you know, that, that you're accomplishing? Like what are my goals or what are my, what are my, um, well, hacks, what are your tips? What are your oh, hacks? What are your um, things that you feel like, like, listen, Hey, here's the reason why I'm yeah, okay. continuing to succeed. Obviously you're in a good ecosystem, right? And um, invest, you know, yeah. the world you live in. I mean, listen, I think the most important thing is, is if you, if you're going to get investing in something, invest in something that actually you, you, you are familiar with. I mean, one of the main reasons I haven't been a big crypto investor is because I really don't understand the crypto, uh, the crypto space. I listen, I'm, I'm a finance guy. I've, I've tried people. I've, I've gone to crypto courses. I've tried to figure this stuff out. I still don't get it. So stick to something that you know, stick to something that actually you have a, a passion in. Um, you know, if you're, you know, if, if there's companies out there called DraftKings, they're gambling. Well, if you don't like gambling, why would you invest in DraftKings? If you, you know, it's like, just, just what I do is I keep it simple. Okay. Um, 
I have a bunch of stuff in the, in the blue chip market. I, I invest in a lot of indexes, but where I actually put most of my money is in companies that I have started and created because I'm very comfortable with what I create. I'm very comfortable with the people I work with. I know it's well-funded. Uh, I know it's going to be an honest type venture because there's no, there's no one in there that, uh, that is going to be a weasel like you're seeing in all these other, you know, kind of venture markets out there because listen, we've, we've kind of weeded out things over the last 25 years of doing this. Um, but what's it's, your top it's science, what's your, what's your number one thing? If you see what I'll, I'll tell you mine, but what's, what's your number one thing? If you said that company's a weasel or that person's a weasel, what's your number one trait that, that jumps out to you? Well, in my, in my game, it's, it's, it's probably a little different because if you look at the mining game in Canada, the junior mining game, it's the shadiest business in the, in the bloody world. I mean, it's, you get, uh, I mean, these, most of the guys that have created this industry, I mean, mining is, is a, is a big blue chip industry in terms, but it starts from the, from the grassroots of the dark streets of Vancouver. I mean, that's really the, the breeding ground for all these junior mining companies. And, and, uh, I mean, you, you, there's an odd saying that, how do you know, uh, you know, a, a someone, a promoter is lying to you and it's because when he's moving his mouth, I mean, it's, you know, or, you know, never trust a man talking next to a gold mine. I mean, it's, 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 it's a shady business. And really, I think with us and what we do is, you know, we, 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 we put our money where our mouth is. We, we actually, we, we seed every investment that we do. We put all our cash in, uh, we bring in institutional involvement. We have big institutions, some of the biggest, smartest guys in the business that are, you know, that invest in, Barrick and Agnico, I mean, they're investors in our deal. So it's, it's really, it's, it's just, a, a, it's a track record. And um, for us, that's kind of our, our, you know, I don't, I don't invest in other people's deals. If, if it's a, if it's a speculative investment, I, I just do it. I do them myself because I trust it. I know, I know how to do it. Um, so kind of my hack might be a little bit different than yours, but um, you know, it's, it's just, you have to do your homework before you go in. You got to make sure people have a track record. You got to make sure there's management. You got to make sure they have money. Uh, and, uh, and really that's kind of our, our smell test right there. Yeah. I always go, you know, back to richest men in Babylon's, you know, one of my Bibles, you know, for wealth. And it's one of the first traits is, you know, invest in people with a proven history and track record of success, you know, and it's fascinating years and years ago when I was a consultant, we got fired and, um, the company got a new CEO and the, the, like 24 hours, 48 hours later, he, he fired our company and, and that proceeded with us having, you know, to let go of 22 people because, you know, that was the revenue stream and the, you know, product business that, that we worked on. And I went and did research on the CEO and, you know, I just did a quick little deep dive and I couldn't find a single company he had ever run that was still a company. And, 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 it's, and like, to me, that's a very bad sign. You know, if you, Someone, a company hires a new CEO and all the companies that they hired are no longer in business. It's a pretty bad sign. Yeah. That's and, a bit of a, that's a warning bell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and, and I mean, in today's info world, every company is going to have some kind of complaint or every company is going to have somebody who, you know, doesn't love them, but you know, what's their scale? Like for us, you know, we're, we're, you know, half a million plus, you know, tribe members and, and thousands and thousands of investors and, you know, thousands of customers. And, you know, I don't, you can't hardly even find a, a peep of a negative comment about us, you know, online. And, and that's one of the hardest things in the world for us to create, you know, and, and build is, you know, an unstoppable reputation. You know, mm -hmm. I, as I look at someone though, who says I'm the end all be all, I'm the everything, right. I'm the answer to, to, I am the knowing and, and, and I'm unfathomable and I'm unshakable and I can't, you know, make mistakes. And, and to me that, 
you know, false idolship, you know, that, that you see people try and create out there in the world. I think that's really dangerous um, because, you know, as men, you know, we are, you know, we have weaknesses, we have mistakes, we have challenges. Now, are we playing the game at a place where we can overcome those and beat those and be better than those? Yeah. But if you think that, you know, you're perfect or, or you're speaking to the world that you're perfect, I always say that's a sign that something's wrong there. Like there's, there's something with that onion that has to be peeled back. And I'm always kind of fascinated when I look at the companies that don't have real challenges or aren't, you know, transparent enough to show real challenges because every company in the world, if you didn't say you didn't have any challenges in the last two years, then you weren't actually in business. And we won and we won big time during, during COVID, but at the same time, there were real challenges. You know, we just had to, a month ago, we just had to shut down our offices in California again, you know, for, for some people that tested, you know, positive and, you know, we want to make sure everybody's safe and protected. And, but, you know, that's a real challenge when you have, you know, 40 people that suddenly have to go home and work and, and still produce and be productive and work as a team. So, mm-hmm. so those are some of my things. Like you have to watch out for, for that, 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 that version of perfection and, and that version of, you know, un, um, unfallibility, I guess mm-hmm. is the way to put it. I don't know. Is that, a, is that something you've seen over the years? Like when you, when you say the promoters are talking? Yeah. I mean, everything, listen, I mean, everyone's has challenges. Everyone's, I mean, there's nothing perfect. I mean, you look and see that back to that Elon Musk story, Elon Musk used to sleep on his factory floor. He was so stressed. He couldn't eat. He almost killed him. Like it was his, his, his story of how he built Tesla is something actually everyone should, if you haven't read about it, just read about it. And, and it's, and you know, everyone thinks his life's all fine and glory, but guys, the amount of stress that that guy goes through on a daily basis. I mean, Personally, I don't think it's worth it. I mean, I wouldn't want to be the richest man in the world if I can't, if I couldn't have the ability to enjoy it. And and essentially, he says that. I mean, it's 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 it's, you know, the higher up the tree you go, the windier it gets. And people have to realize that because you have responsibility, you have you have more at risk. You you know, you're not just suddenly working for someone and just collecting a paycheck. You know, you you are actually out there creating it. You're the one doing it. You know, I look at my company, Star Peak Mining, uh, one of the, the is the big discoveries that I've that we've made here in the last two years, and we're a better company today than we ever have been. And my share price is trading see at a dollar twenty Canadian or a buck US. Well, I was high as four bucks, but it's just the market sentiment. It's just the way that things work in the world, and it's I can't say. You know, I'm 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 worse today than I was two years ago. No, things have never been better. But it's just, hey, listen, it's a cycle. It's 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 never a straight line. That's 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 kind of what the way I look at it. I, I agree. I I do. You know, maybe that comment you said, like, maybe it's not worth it, right, to become, you know, the richest man in the world to to be close to suicide or be close to. I'm not sure that he's ever said that, but I mean, just close to that that torturous life, you know. I mean, I, I live a, there's, there's, there's an amount of stress and torturous life that I know that I lead. There's, there's no, there's no question that there's, there's a stress and a burden that you carry. But I also, you know, I see people all the time talking about how hard they have to work to be successful, you know, all the time. And I see it like on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, but I see it, you know, different people quoting the the Mamba Kobe mentality, right? Um, If you're an old Lakers fan, for me, I, I know that I work hard, but I don't build my life to work hard. And maybe that's a little bit just different mentality of my, of my end is I don't build my life to be busy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I build my life to be effective and productive. And I build my life to be a present good father, right? With my two sons and, 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 and a good spouse. But I don't think that m- like me laboring harder is going to make us more successful 
you know, as an organization and a company and, and mm-hmm. me making my mind stronger, me making better decisions, me collecting better data and better information, me creating better, you know, mentorship training, you know, with our teams and our people, you know, and, and being an inspiration behind those things. Yeah. I think those things make us more successful, but that's not necessarily harder. It's smarter. Right. And I'm not against, you know, hard work. Cause there are definitely weeks that I put in, you know, a 50 or 60 or even 70 hour week, but I build my life to work 30 hours a week because when I do that, I feel like I'm building my life to a place to do the things that, that mm-hmm. inspire me, you know, to be great. I don't know. How, how do you, how do you look at I, that conversation? I bet you, you work differently when you're younger to the way you work now. I mean, everyone, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just, you, you change and you evolve and your responsibilities get different. Um, you know, not even from work, but also become a becoming a father. I mean, it's just my purpose of of, of my existence now completely shifted when I make, when I became changes a the whole game, doesn't it? Changes changes everything, and it's I'm we're blessed. I mean, it's the best thing you could possibly do because you now have a purpose. You now have you have a reason to do what you do, and like I look and just say like look in the last three years okay i used to travel religiously because i have to in in my world going to see this mine or that mine or this financing group and whatever city it might be whatever country it might be i now do not travel because you don't have to uh this this zoom phenomenon these these types of communication that you can you can do now it's 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 reinvented the world and i don't have to leave my family sure there's sometimes you have to go and you have to look at someone in the eyes and do that but realistically, if I'm traveling, was traveling two weeks out of every month, I am maybe once every four months going somewhere to, to do to do some sort of business that I do daily now on my computer screen, anytime, anywhere in the world, and nobody can tell any different. I mean, and, and, the, and the output has been greater today than it was when I was doing that traveling. My health is better. My family life is better. Um, I'm seeing my kids, like every everything is a plus. And that's just, the way life has progressed and, and, and it's, and it's changed. And, and I think actually that's going to be because COVID by the way is, you know, on, on the outs, I guess, but it, it's not going to go back to the way it was. I see it, you know, staying on this path. So it's uh, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Is there anything, you know, you want to share with them as like an outro or a CTA? I think just, uh, you know, as an idea, I mean, I put my money where my mouth is and, you know, a company, for instance, Star Peak Mining is the one that we uh, we're very proud of. It's been a big discovery. Um, it trades publicly. We'll drop, we'll drop, drop links. Drop links we'll to all that. And, and, and we'll drop links and put it in the description and, and everything that, too. That sounds great, so, but I really appreciate thank it. Thank you for listening to the Rad Podcast, an exploration of wealth. For more information, please visit our website, www dot raddiversified.com we'd love to hear from you please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing